For the most part, the output of machine learning is simply not explainable. So you cannot reach into machine learning and ask it to say, hey, can you tell me why you rejected this loan? Or can you tell me why you said this person you know, should be operated for cancer, but that person should not? The output of machine learning, especially if you're using deep learning algorithms, is not explainable. And this is a massive challenge for many applications. Welcome back to the IMD management cast where we speak to IMD professors about their particular areas of interest. This week we have back on the show for the fourth and uh, final episode in this short run, Amit Joshi. Amit, welcome to the show. John, good to be back. So, Amit, we've covered a huge breadth of <laughs> the subject of AI, your speciality. So we've discussed uh, what AI is, you know, the difference between AI, machine learning, and even IA between episodes one and three. We've spoken about how you can bring AI into the workplace and you know how to keep ahead of your competition, why that's so important. Now I wanna have a look at the future of AI. This is our grand look ahead. So I know it's a little bit difficult and uh, I'm not asking all of our guests to prognosticate to this extent, but Amit, where are we gonna get to with AI in business? Where does this concept lead us to? This is always a fun question to answer, right? Because in one fell swoop, we bring people who are really, really smart scientists and people who are you know, geniuses inventing these things on basically the same level as schmoes like me who just read about these things and talk about these things. Because a prediction, as we know, prediction, especially about the future, is always hard, right? So let me actually talk about this in the steps that you mentioned. Let me talk about this 10 years, 100 years, and, and, and maybe beyond that. I think the next 10 years, we will not see, and this is just this is just my personal hypothesis, I, I think in the next 10 years, we will not see a massive revolutionary new type of AI. I think the next 10 years are going to be about AI implementation and further democratization. It's going to be about organizations taking stuff that's already been invented in the last 10, 20, 30 years and starting to implement this. And what we're going to see on the ground in reality is, AI is starting to make a difference in customers' lives, in your lives, in my lives. So this is what I see the next 10 years to be. Fast forwarding maybe 50, 70, 100 years, that's when most predictions say we should have what's known as general AI. We should have AI that is sentient. We should have perhaps 50 years, 70 years, 100 years. We might have AI that can potentially do everything that you and I can do, John, only infinitely better. Okay, so it's not gonna be slightly better than us at driving a car, it's going to be perfect at driving a car. It's not gonna be slightly better than us at optimizing our supply chain or curing cancer. It's going to be infinitely better than us at doing these things. And that's when things really get, depending on which side of the fence you are, either fun or crazy, right? Because uh, there's a famous survey conducted by some very, very famous scientists. This is, uh, you know, people like Nick Bostrom and Stephen Hawking are on the survey. And what they were asked is, you know, when AI becomes sentient, when we have general AI, what happens to humanity? And that's, that's the question which has fascinated thinkers and philosophers since the beginning of time. And, and the responses of these really, really smart people, so please remember, I'm just telling you what these responses are. This is not my view. This is these really smart people who, who think what's gonna happen when AI can make all decisions. 
about half of them said, you know, this is essentially the heaven that we've all been waiting for. There will be no problems. There will be no poverty. There'll be no war. There'll be no disease. AI will basically just solve all these things. That's just how smart AI will be. But then we've got another group of people who say, you know, not really. The day that happens, that's the end of civilization as we know it, right? Because it's not that AI is going to turn into Terminator and kill us. AI is not going to turn into Skynet. It's just that AI is going to be so much smarter than us that it won't need us anymore. Us to AI then will be like what ants are to us today. It's not like most of us hate ants on a daily basis, but it's just that we don't care about them much. So that's the scary scenario. And then, of course, there was a group of people who were kind of in between that said, oh, look, there's going to be some positives and some negatives. We won't really end up in a zoo behind a cage with robots looking at us or something like that. But it won't be the heaven that we are thinking about either. Always fascinating to chat about this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fascinating, exciting, a little scary. I think I, I need to hear a little bit now to dampen those fears about the limitations here, right? So you mentioned in episode one, recognize your mother algorithm that you couldn't possibly write because this is the kind of thing you can ask someone, you know, describe your mother, show them a picture. And you mentioned that this was a limitation of AI. Are there other limitations or can you expound on the limitations that we might see with AI and how those limitations might affect you in a business setting? Absolutely, John. So remember, how did we solve the recognize your mother problem? We solved it by inventing machine learning where we got AI to learn from examples. However, even that has massive limitations. We are already running into a little bit of a brick wall. There are some scientists out there who feel that we have extracted as much as we can from machine learning. Improving machine learning beyond a certain point is just absurdly expensive. You're talking about trillions of dollars to get marginal improvements in accuracy and things like that. So we are very close to hitting a brick wall with even this relatively new technique of machine learning. But there are other problems with this particular system. Remember, for machine learning to work, we, broadly speaking, need lots and lots of really high quality data. We don't always have millions and millions of data points for everything just lying around, right? So to compensate for that, we are still coming up with newer techniques, but that'll take time. The second issue with AI that AI of the kind that we have today is the famous explainability problem. For the most part, the output of machine learning is simply not explainable. So you cannot reach into machine learning and ask it to say, hey, can you tell me why you've rejected this loan? Or can you tell me why you said this person you know, should be operated for cancer, but that person should not? Or can you tell me why this person should be recruited, but that person should not? You cannot do that. The output of machine learning, especially if you're using deep learning algorithms, is not explainable. And this is a massive challenge for many applications. If I'm using machine learning to decide which advertisement you see, I don't need explainability. But if I'm using machine learning to decide if somebody goes to prison or not, if somebody gets operated upon or not, if somebody gets a loan for education or for a home, I darn well need to know what the decision is based on. Was the decision based on my credit score or was the decision based on my color of skin? And this is something AI struggles with today.
before we continue today's episode, I wanted to recommend another podcast to you, which I think you'll really enjoy. 40 Minute Mentor, hosted by JBM's James Mitra. No matter whether you're just beginning your career, are a startup founder, or are just in need of some career inspiration, 40 Minute Mentor is designed to make business mentorship accessible to everyone, covering everything from the ground up in just 40 minutes. So head over to Apple, Spotify, or any other major podcast platforms and hit subscribe on 40 Minute Mentor. You won't be disappointed. I want to turn now to the kind of executive view. Okay, so I mean, IMD produces some of uh, the world's leading MBA graduates who go on to lead the world's leading companies. Will there be a point that the role of executives will become diminished by AI? Or will it actually make executives role more important? Because so much of the decision making down the decision making tree is uh, kind of taken care of. So the way I see this is that by and large, an executive's role consists of two kinds of decisions. The first kind of decision is what we can consider is an extrapolation or a prediction. Saying, hey, look, here is a resume that I've received for a job at my organization. Does this resume fit with what I'm looking for? Will this person be a good addition to my team? That's a forecasting decision. Now, in real life, what happens is we might end up with multiple options that kind of sort of look the same. So I get 100 resumes. I say, you know what? Five of these would all fit into my organization. And that's where we make a gut feel or a judgment call decision saying, okay, you know, of these five, candidate C seems to be the best. I think she is going to make the biggest impact on my organization. Now, the AI that we have today is absolutely brilliant at the forecasting or prediction. As a matter of fact, some scientists have actually called this a prediction machine. There's a book by that name, which is a very nice book. The prediction part of this decision might be taken over by AI, but it might be taken over by things like machine learning. The judgment part of the decision is still going to be done by humans for the foreseeable future. So what's going to happen is the kind of skill sets managers need to build up, the kind of techniques that they need to develop would now need to be more focused towards judgment rather than prediction and forecasting, which is a good thing because we should actually be leaving the forecasting to the tool that's great at this. Why do you and I want to forecast when we have something that's a thousand times better than you and I? But you know what this tool cannot do? This tool cannot make a judgment. And that is something humans are, and especially senior managers, are typically good at. So at least for the foreseeable future, I see this again, augmenting our managerial capabilities rather than replacing us. And do you think that AI will become more or less important in management processes? I suppose I find it hard, and I think many listeners will find it hard to think of AI as being able to make decisions about some of those qualitative aspects of humankind, right? It might be able to look at a CV and see, you know, your alma mater or your qualifications. It might even be able to analyze a personality test and draw some conclusions. But there are some ephemeral things which I imagine many listeners will wonder if AI will actually be able to deal with or that it will struggle with. We have seen some signs, this is in the lab, we have seen some signs of AI that can understand behavior. We have seen signs that AI can collaborate, that AI can do negotiation. AI has demonstrated in the lab some of the soft skills that we take for granted that only human beings have. Having said that, I have not come across 
scaled applications of these. And my favorite example of, of something that I think AI cannot do today is comes from Formula One racing. And this is, this is an incident, I'm not a, personally a Formula One fan, but this is a story I heard and I think it really resonates with me. And this is back in, I think the 60s or 70s or something like that. If any of your listeners are Formula One fans, they might immediately recognize this story. So the situation was that there was a Formula One race ongoing and the world number one at the time, he was not leading in that particular race. He was actually third or fourth or fifth. So he was, he was a little bit behind the pack. And there was on this particular track, there was a blind turn, which all drivers had to take. And the world number one, like I said, was in fourth or fifth position or something like that. And unknown to him, what had happened is just beyond the blind turn, the lead cars had crashed. Okay, there was a massive accident just beyond the blind turn. And he was coming in obviously at full speed, he would make the turn and he would also be a part of the crash and all cars behind him would come in and pile up and it would have been a massive disaster. And then all of a sudden the world number one suddenly slows down and stops his car. And remember, this is a blind turn. This is impossible for him to see what's behind the turn. And obviously the cars behind him stop and a massive accident is averted. And they asked him afterwards saying, hey, look, why did you stop? There's no way you could have known that there was an accident. You don't know what's going on. And he says, I don't know. I don't know why I did this. And then a day or two later, evidently, he thought about this and he says, you know what? I'm the world number one Formula One driver. Whenever I'm driving, every eye in the stadium is looking at me. So whenever I'm driving, out of the corner of my eye, I see people looking at me. That day, I could see the whites of their eyes, which means all of their eyes were turned sideways. They were not looking at me. That means something crazy has happened that they're not looking at me which made me pause. I don't think AI has that level of intuition today. It'll be scary if AI can demonstrate that level of intuition. And that also speaks to, you know, what you were mentioning before, you know, that it's garbage in, garbage out, but also just how important those inputs are, how important it is that AI is looking at the right inputs at any one time, as well as having good, usable information. Ahmed, you mentioned a few times there the kind of things that have been seen in the lab but I'm really I'm really very interested to know what you're working on at the moment you know what you think the specific areas of AI and and how they relate to business and uh, management are to look out for what's your research telling you what are you looking at in the next few years so my recent I'm extremely excited by my research but compared to some of the other conversations we've had you know AI in 100 years it might seem relatively mundane you know like I said I think the next decade or so is going to be about making AI real, taking AI from the lab, getting it implemented out in the real world so that it starts impacting you and I at scale. So let me just talk about two specific research projects that I'm working on here at IMD with my colleagues, some at IMD, some outside of IMD. In one project, what my colleagues and I, we are doing is we are trying to understand when AI recommendations get accepted versus when not. So a huge job of AI is making recommendations in the foreseeable future, that's what it's gonna be, but it's up to the humans to accept the recommendation or not. There's all kinds of factors that go into this, you know, the type of AI, the type of decision, the level of expertise that you and I might have, how the decision itself is framed, right? What is the context or what is the industry in which we are seeing these decisions being made? So 
this is something that we would like to study and get out to managers saying, hey, look, if you are going to implement an AI system, and typically it's gonna be for some sort of a recommendation, here's when your recommendations are more likely to be accepted. If you design it in this particular way, or if you include these features, or if you tell people about this versus that. So that's one research that my colleagues and I are working on. The second research that I'm working on is, how can organizations take AI from an experiment to an actual product? So what we have today is a lot of organizations are experimenting with AI. You know, they try AI in different parts of the organization. It's successful here. There's this little thing that this can do, but then that's it. It never scales up to the organization level to give value at scale. What do organizations need to do to scale AI across the entire company? So that's something I'm trying to look at. Wow, Amit, I mean, there's just such a broad range of subjects to cover in this. I feel like we could talk for hours more, um, but you know, it sounds like your research is calling you. There's a lot of stuff for you to get into. So I'm gonna leave it there. But Amit, I want to say thank you so much for being on the show again for the fourth and final time. John, it was an absolute pleasure to be with you and your listeners today. Thank you so much for having me. To hear more expert analysis from iBuyIMD, you can search for us wherever good podcasts are found. For more to read, you can go to iBuyIMD online, which offers exclusive business intelligence and interviews with the brightest minds in the industry, written by experts for experts. 